off and the clock has started. Here we go. Greetings and welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm Doug Prezak, and in case you're wondering, I do all of my own stunts. <laughs> Some of them hurt, but that's besides the point. But the point is that this is episode 120, and you're listening, so thank you very much. In case you notice, I'm my own announcer, because apparently everybody is off this week, except for me. It's a holiday time in the UK, so Graham isn't here, and Amy had already put in for this week off, so yeah, that's that. And my executive producer has been gone all this week. She's on a trip with her sisters, which is great. I'm happy for her. However, I'm here at home, just me and three cats. It's pretty clear that they prefer her to me. (laughs) How do I know that? Well, if I go somewhere, then I come back in the house. They sit there looking at the door as I walk by them. I know who they're waiting for. They're not fooling me. So I stand there and I say, sorry, guys, it's just me. And then they kind of look at me with that. Oh, look, (laughs) I'm sure they're wondering, does he even know where the cat food is? Or does he even know how to open the can? (laughs) Well, I am glad my wife will be back home tomorrow because I don't think I could take another day of the disappointing looks from three cats. (laughs) All right, now, I am recording this episode on June 21st, the summer solstice. How was your summer solstice? Did you have a good time? Did you party, celebrate, have friends and family, get together, barbecues? Oh, I think you know where this is going. If you don't, then you don't know me very well. I did some research, so you didn't have to because you were out probably partying. What's up with the summer solstice? Well, the summer solstice is the longest day and the shortest night in the Northern Hemisphere. It's also the first day of summer. But for those of you south of the equator in places like Chile and Australia or South Africa, you guys are having the winter solstice. It's the shortest day of the year there. (laughs) Sorry. But since I'm in the northern hemisphere, I'm going to talk about the summer version. Now, for my friends in Australia and Chile, just consider everything I'm saying the opposite. (laughs) So, you know, it's the longest day of the year, but who is actually getting the most sunlight? The difference in how much daylight you get actually becomes pretty big the farther away from the equator you go and the closer to the poles you get. In Ecuador's capital of Quito, which is barely north of the equator, people barely notice the difference. However, they got a uh, measly extra six and a half minutes of daylight, so I hope you used it wisely. (laughs) By contrast, residents of Finland, they got a 3.54 a.m. sunrise, almost 19 hours of daylight. Even night doesn't get that dark, And not to be outdone, you listeners in Fairbanks, Alaska, you got almost 22 hours of daylight, like you don't already know that. Walmart does sell blackout curtains, by the way. (laughs) You're saying to yourself, hey, Doug, do we ever get equal amounts of day and night? Why? Why, yes, we do. Folks all over the planet actually do get nearly equal doses of day and night during the spring equinox. I hope that answered your question. And if you're grabbing those sun umbrellas and spraying sunblock on you till it's dripping off, you can relax. Generally speaking, the summer solstice is not the hottest day of the year. For the most part, the vast majority of people experience its warmest temperatures in July or early August. Now, scientifically, because you know how much I like to be scientific, (laughs) temperatures basically continue to rise after the summer solstice because the amount of energy coming in from the sun continues to be greater than the amount of energy lost at night. (laughs) All right, I am all scienced out after that. So besides having to wear my sunglasses longer, what else happens on the summer solstice? 
Well, our ancient ancestors, they certainly took note of the yearly occasion. Some of their monuments were aligned to precisely mark the summer solstice light. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Stonehenge. (laughs) Everybody knows about the stones in Stonehenge in southwest England, right? The ancient stones date back to around 2500 B.C., and they were aligned by its makers astronomically. The central axis of Stonehenge was aligned with the sunrise at summer solstice and the sunset at winter solstice. The stones precisely, I mean precisely, frame the, <laughs> frame the rising and setting sun when the days are at their longest and the shortest. On the summer solstice, the sun rises behind the entrance to the stone circle and the rays of light are channeled into the center of the monument. On the winter solstice, the sun sets to the southwest of the stone circle, and it still works like clockwork today. Now, it's likely that ancient people gathered at Stonehenge at the summer and winter solstices to witness the pivotal changes in the movement of the sun, and it's more than likely that they conducted rituals and ceremonies relating to the changing seasons, the sun and the sky. According to the English Heritage, they're the folks that kind of control Stonehenge there, There are very few other clues as to what took place at the stone circle. During various excavations, archaeologists found that the site is generally very clean with no signs of feasting, fires, or other nefarious activities taking place. (laughs) I'm not certain they really said nefarious activities, but that's what I gleaned from my research, and I'm sticking to it. Now, it might have been that only certain people, priests, or leaders could actually stand within the inner circle to witness the arrival or return of the sun, and that this was a very sacred place. In other words, if you didn't have a VIP pass, you were on the outside looking in. (laughs) Now, these days, about 10,000 people from around the world gather at Stonehenge to welcome the summer solstice. Druids and pagans and a crap ton of visitors all dressed up in all kinds of costumes gather to mark the longest day of the year at the ancient site. Now that's what happens at Stonehenge. What about the rest of the world? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Sweden has their own summer solstice celebration called Midsummer. (laughs) Fantastically original. I love that. Midsummer Eve is always a Friday between June 19 and the 25th. People often begin the day by picking flowers and making wreaths to place on the maypole, which is a key component of the celebrations. Midsummer Eve is usually celebrated in the countryside, which means that on that day before everybody leaves town, everything closes, and the streets are suddenly deserted. Hopefully they have locks on their doors. (laughs) Midsummer is normally an occasion of large gatherings. Many Swedes take advantage of it to fulfill their social obligations so that they can enjoy the rest of the holiday in peace. (laughs) You know, that sounds like a fantastic idea. I need to write that down. Celebrate big crowds first, and then peace and quiet. In many cases, whole families gather to celebrate this traditional high point of the summer. Their traditions include dancing around a maypole. Some view the maypole as a, uh, well, let's just say a phallic symbol. I'm not making the stuff up, okay? They also feast on herring and vodka. <laughs> There's no way I made that one up. Jan Ovinswan is a Swedish ethnologist and the author of several books on Midsommar. He said, quote, 
a lot of children are born nine months after midsummer in Sweden. <laughs> you can do the math. <laughs> he added, quote, drinking is the most typical midsummer tradition. There are historical pictures of people drinking to the point where they can't go on anymore. <laughs> Swan also pointed out that even without booze, midsummer is a time rich in romantic ritual. <laughs> I guess so, nine months later. He said, There used to be a tradition among unmarried girls where if they ate something very salty during, during midsummer or else collected several different kinds of flowers and put these under their pillow when they went to sleep, they would dream of their future husbands. <laughs> In the Ukraine and some Eastern European countries, the summer solstice is connected with Ivan Kupala Day. It's a holiday with romantic connotations for many Slavics. The word Kupala is derived from the same word as Cupid. It's also called Kupala Night because, you know, love doesn't apparently stick to a strict timetable. <laughs> it was also once believed that Kupala Night was a time for people to fall in love and that those celebrating it would be happy and prosperous throughout the year. It used to be that young unmarried women would float floral wreaths in the river where the eager bachelors on the other side would try to catch the flowers. According to Polish folklore, the man and woman in question would become a couple. Well, that's just got Tinder beat all the heck, doesn't it? <laughs> Bonfires are also a very large feature of the holiday and it's tradition for a couple to leap through the flames together while holding hands. If they don't let go, it's said their love will last. <laughs> I don't know what to say. In India, the birthplace of the ancient practice of yoga, the summer solstice is traditionally celebrated with mass yoga sessions throughout the nation. In fact, the International Day of Yoga is June 21st, the same day as summer solstice. It's the same day my Apple Watch told me I had to do 10 minutes of yoga exercise today. <laughs> Me and yoga are just like me and running. <laughs> Neither one's going to happen. Fairbanks, Alaska has their Midnight Sun baseball game. It's a 118-year-old tradition that began in 1906 as a bar bet. Teams play on June 21st each year with the first pitch thrown around 10 p.m. No artificial lighting is used since the sunlight lingers past midnight on the solstice. While different teams have participated over the years, today the Alaska Gold Panners, founded in 1960, carry on the tradition. The Alaska Gold Panners general manager John Lork says, quote, It's a magical setting in a nostalgic ballpark with fans from all over the world, not just Fairbanks. He says it also doesn't hurt that over 100 gold panners have passed through Fairbanks as collegians and gone on to play in the major leagues. That's right, Gold Panners, you deserve that. Fairbanks also hosts the Midnight Sun Festival with 12 hours of celebration featuring live music, vendors, and an assortment of activities. And lastly, people in Puerto Rico. They celebrate the solstice with a busy beach day with cookouts, music, games, swimming, and dancing. Then at the stroke of midnight on the solstice, some but apparently not to everybody, they plunge backward into the ocean to stave off negativity and bring luck. <laughs> Somehow me going backward in the ocean is not going to bring luck. This leap of faith is part of the Noche de San Juan celebrations, which mark the eve of St. John the Baptist's nativity. Here comes the controversy part of the show. I know you've been waiting for it. 
Puerto Ricans disagree on how many times you should submerge yourself in the water. Some arguing three times is sufficient, <laughs> and others prefer seven or 12 backward plunges for the desired result. <laughs> For the desired results. I didn't mean to laugh. It's just arguing how many times you should go backwards. Oh, brother. Well, that wraps up my world tour of summer solstice celebrations. But after the break, hang on, because I have some ideas for you so you can start your own solstice celebration. (laughs) Don't go away. Come to the land of the midnight sun. The land where blonde began. Let Clairol take you there. Midnight Sun by Clairol is the new gentle shampoo lightener with a cool toner built right in. With Midnight Sun, you can shampoo in the blonde light with the most magic for you. Choose from three shining shades. Frost lights, ice lights, snow lights. Midnight Sun by Clairol. (laughs) That commercial was from 1967. And is it my imagination, or did that guy sound really creepy? (laughs) All right, let's get back to our show. So you heard all about celebrations uh, around the world for the summer solstice, but let's say you can't travel to those places. And you're saying, Doug, I want to start my own. How do I do it? Well, luckily for you, the uh, people at Outdoor Apothecary, they made a list of tips so you could start your own summer solstice celebration and ritual. (laughs) Here we go. Number one, gather herbs. (laughs) You may want to get a pencil and paper and write these down. They say a great ritual for a summer solstice is to gather plants and healing herbs as our ancestors did. The five common Celtic sacred plants associated with midsummer are St. John's wort, vervain, yarrow, fern, and mugwort. (laughs) I never read or saw Harry Potter, but I think those are characters from there. I'm not positive. They also don't say what to do with the herbs, but uh, go ahead and gather them. Number two, have a bonfire. (laughs) Check your local restrictions. One of the main rituals for summer solstice is, of course, a bonfire. Gather your closest friends or family and hold a bonfire party. Offer drinks, food, and music. It's simple and fun for everybody. Burn sacred woods and herbs. Well, there you go. That's what you do with the herbs anyway. Burn them. And the sacred wood. And I had no clue where to get sacred wood. But anyway, burn it all. Now, let the fire go out naturally and collect the ashes for use in rituals throughout the year (laughs) or in your garden as fertilizer. (laughs) Starting your own ritual sounds like a lot of work. Just saying. Number three, watch the sun rise and set. The article says that this is an excellent opportunity to pay your respects to the sun and acknowledge its life-giving power as it both arrives and departs. Get up early and greet the sunrise. Sip coffee and say hi to the sun. (laughs) Or practice some yoga sun salutations. In the evening, wrap in a blanket and sit in nature as you watch the sun go down. I'm trying really hard, okay? Number four, decorate your altar. If you have an altar, go ahead and decorate it with summer flowers and herbs. There's those herbs again. Decorate it with sunflowers, lavender, mint, rosemary, and basil. Light candles to add brightness to your altar. Crystals such as citrine, garnet, and carnelian are best for this time of the year because they have the ability to absorb light energy from the sun when placed outside on a sunny day. Number five, 
Spend some time in nature. Probably the easiest and most important ritual for summer solstice is get outside. The spiritual path is all about connecting with nature, and the best way to do that is to be in nature. Try some forest bathing. (laughs) Or take a walk in your local park or garden and appreciate the beauty of Mother Earth. Think about your ancestors who came before you and give thanks to Mother Earth and the sun for her sustaining life force. Number six, prepare a summer solstice gathering. I guess it could be the same thing as that bonfire, but you know. Number six, on this day, invite friends and family over for a summer solstice feast filled with seasonal, locally raised and grown foods. We also visit our local farmer's market or local farm to gather all the goodies we need for our solstice gathering. Check and see if they have any of that sacred wood. Number seven, and this is a doozy, bathe in the light and warmth of the sun. The summer solstice is a time for renewal, rebirth, and self-love. It's a time to honor your body and recognize that it is beautiful and worthy of your respect and care. To honor this momentous occasion, take time to honor yourself by bathing in the light of the sun. Oh my God. Now they say it's incredibly important to protect your skin while you do this ritual. (laughs) Duh. Once you are ready, find a secluded spot where you can sit comfortably on the ground or on a towel. Take off any clothing that would get in the way of being near earth or water. What? Then soak up as much sunlight as possible. Stay there for 20 to 30 minutes or longer if possible. (laughs) And lastly, leave fairy offerings. (laughs) Here's a fun ritual for summer solstice to include the kids in. Leave treats for the fairies. They particularly love sweets such as cakes, cookies, brownies, donuts, and sweetbreads. (laughs) Apparently, I borderline a fairy here. They also adore milk and cream, butter, and a hearty... (laughs) And a hearty alcoholic beverage. (laughs) Those fairies know how to party. Some of the drinks they like are mead and wine, but they typically like the sweet, boozy kind. (laughs) Apparently, fairies are quite discerning when it comes to mead or wine. Be sure to put some thought and effort behind your fairy offerings and don't thank the fairies. They hate being thanked. So there you go. Everything you need to know if you want to start your own summer solstice celebration. Now, if you're somebody who's really into Mother Earth healing and all that stuff, congratulations. Good for you. Now you can have your own ritual. But if you're not into that kind of stuff like me, well, for God's sakes, if you ever come across a fairy, don't thank him or her. Well, that will wrap up everything you uh, probably didn't want to know about the summer solstice. But first, what have we learned? Well, we learned that Sweden and Stonehenge really know how to throw a summer solstice party. We learned that the Alaska Gold Panners are a pretty good baseball team. And we learned that if you're going to start your own solstice celebration, don't forget to set out some alcohol for the fairies, particularly the boozy kind. That is it for episode 120, and I'll talk to you next time on 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. I think I'll go try one of those sunshine baths. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted... 
all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.